You're listening to The Big Cast C-Suite Edition, your source for leadership insights and inspiration with John Janclays. Hey, John, how's it going with data analytics in your organization? You know what, John? We are having a blast over here at Partners. Oh, cool. One of the things I feel like people need to do is to continually sharpen their saws it relates to data analytics. Have you heard of our AXFI conference? I have, John. You know, last year the team went and they came back raving about the conference. What did they like about it? Well, I think that there's kind of two big tracks. It's not just data analytics, but it's also innovation, that you get to see your peers present some of their ideas rather than theory, things that are actually happening. You know, John, this sounds like a conference that more than just your data analytics team should come to. I mean, this is part of your senior team, your data analytics folks, maybe other members of your executive team. Hey, when's the conference this year? Have they scheduled it yet? Yeah, for for coming up in uh, 2018, it's June 10th through the 13th in Minnesota. Where where can I go to sign up? You can go to www.axficonference.com. That's www.axficonference.com. Great. I'll check it out. Thanks, John. Hi everyone, John here. Welcome to this edition of C-Suite Interviews. It's the February edition. Can you believe in 2018 we're already rolling into the end of February? Uh, This year is just really moving along. Hey, I think you're going to like today's episode. We interview Mike Jaradovac. Mike is the uh, market leader for Corn Ferry Future Step North America, the financial services practice. So that's everything from credit union, mid-sized financial institutions, including insurance, brokerage, and uh, real estate. Hey, before we move to the interview with Mike, I wanted to circle back for our regular listeners and give you an update about a project that I've talked about. And um, the project is to accelerate our credit union's transformation, digital transformation, uh, at a greater rate. And we talked about the project as being moving twice as fast, three times as fast, maybe four times as fast. And to do that, we know that we're going to have to take a look at our uh, people, process, and technology, even our culture to do that. We are in the middle of a great two-month pilot program where we're working with trusted business partners. Uh, One of those is the Boston Consulting Group. Many of you will know them as kind of a a top consulting firm on strategy and implementation of strategy. So they're joining us on the project and also a digital master. uh, Coney Incorporated, our business partner, is along for the journey. And uh, boy, we are learning a lot. As I committed to, I would give this group, our listeners, an update about all things about the project so that uh, we could all learn together about, uh, about our project. So here's what we have for you in the show notes today. You're going to find that there's a link to a video. It's about 12 minutes long, and it introduces the journey, what we're doing. And you're going to hear from myself, some of our executive team, uh, folks from um, the Boston Consulting Group, as well as from Coney. So this is just our initial uh, video portion for you to take a look at. We'll follow up with uh, additional video with how we're doing on the project. Also, I thought it would be of interest to, uh, of the, gosh, close to 100 papers that I've read on this topic. A couple that are real good starter papers if you're interested in reading about digital transformations and how to accelerate them. Uh, One is from Bain & Company. uh, One is from the Boston Consulting Group. I also have a link to a short video from McKinsey talking about this. So what I'm trying to do is help you with on this topic, kind of curate some of the best papers that I found on the subject if you're interested in digging a little bit deeper. So excited to have this information in front of you and uh, continue to give you updates, more videos and papers and podcasts as we make our way through the journey. 
So, okay, so back to the interview with Mike Jaradovac. Most of you um, maybe even know Mike if you work in the credit union space. So Mike and I met 10 years ago and uh, have really been from Mike's mentorship over the last oh, 10 years. And uh, in today's interview, we're going to cover just all those topics that you would be love to talk to Mike about the war on talent, um, how to develop ourselves as leaders, um, what's the best thoughts today that are emerging around succession planning and more. So uh, we'll move right into that interview. Hey, I caught up with Mike. He was working from the offices in Los Angeles and I was in Florida. Uh, you'll hear that in the recording. And uh, I guess without further delay, let's move right into the interview with Mike. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Uh, nice to be here. Thanks a lot for the invitation. You know what? Um, I have looked forward to this interview, and you're a busy guy to catch up with. You're either in San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles, New York. Where are you calling in from today? I'm actually in Los Angeles. We're headquartered here in L.A. and uh, have found my shirt, myself here all week, so it's, it's, it's been a good one from that standpoint. Yeah. Hey, Mike, for our listeners who don't know you, if they haven't met you yet, why don't you do a little introduction of uh, um, kind of your professional journey and uh, what you do for Corn Ferry and then maybe Corn Ferry's mission. What, what What's Corn Ferry all about and what are you up to? Great. I'd be happy to, to kick things off. And again, thanks uh, thanks again for the opportunity to, to chat with you today, John. I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so I guess at a high level, uh, I've been in the search business for coming on 25 years, which which is hard to believe. Uh, I kind of fell into uh, recruiting like a lot of people do um, back in the day, uh, early out of college, and was with a regional firm uh, in San Francisco that uh, tended to work uh, across industries. Uh, we were I'd say to some extent more or less a reflection of the San Francisco Bay Area yeah. and to do a lot of work in uh, consumer products, financial services, and, and of course tech. Uh, I, I personally kind of started carving out a niche early in my career within the financial services arena and uh, was with that organization for about eight years and that was a time when the, the dot-com boom and bust uh, blew through the Bay Area and uh, seemingly the, the bottom fell out overnight and uh, by chance met a gentleman who owned a uh, boutique uh, retained search firm that operated very much in a niche market uh, in the credit union industry, which I was pretty unfamiliar with uh, at the time. Uh, qu quite frankly, I thought I'd hide out there for a year until the Bay Area economy came back around and ended up spending uh, 14 years with that organization, which was just a, a fantastic experience. And uh, we worked nationwide almost exclusively within the credit union space, kind of C-suite, so did a lot of work on, on the CEO front, uh, had a heavy interaction with boards coming from organizations of all shapes and sizes, and you know, really had a nice opportunity to be a part of an industry that I think in many ways was, was evolving uh, before our very eyes and uh, joined Corn Ferry about a year and a half ago. And quite frankly, uh, the decision to, to uproot and move uh, was largely driven by all the changes that are happening, uh, especially in the financial services arena where I've called home for you know, the last 23, 24 years. 
and uh, we were a great uh, boutique firm that they think did an excellent job at search, but we were limited. Uh, Corn Ferry uh, it was an opportunity for me to plug in with a few folks on my team and really leverage uh, the industry knowledge and relationships that I had and bring the very broad kind of resources of Corn Ferry to the table. So Corn Ferry, obviously big brand name, the executive search business, which is really where they came from and the, and the roots of the firm. Uh, although to their credit, you know, they've really spent the last 10 years uh, proactively diversifying our solution uh, model. And, and, and I'd say this, they were probably 50-50 search solutions. And on the solution side, still falling under that talent management umbrella. So anything comp and benefits related, uh, do a lot of work on the uh, leadership assessment and development front, and that would include uh, succession planning, both across leadership teams and boards, uh, get into some corporate governance uh, practice um, offerings. And um, like I said, it, it's been a nice opportunity for me to bring some of those, uh, I think, well-established solutions to an industry that that's really um, going through a lot of change right now. So uh, I came in here as the credit union guy. My, my role's changed a little bit, and I'm currently um, – and I'm in the future step practice, which is kind of our, our middle market practice group. So ten, tending to work uh, mid senior management as well as kind of organizations in that mid size, if you will. And uh, I, I manage our financial services practice group, which still includes all of our credit union and uh, banking activity, but also uh, asset management, uh, real estate, and insurance. So uh, fairly broad scope these days. Yeah, that is a broad scope. You know, Mike, it was 10 years ago that you and I met while you were working in the focused area of uh, credit unions. And, and like most of us, you know, we're introduced to credit unions through circumstance. All of us don't uh, start out wanting to end up in a credit union. You know, that isn't our ambition, for example, when we go to college. So I think all of us kind of have that familiar story. As you've watched the credit union movement uh, evolve and also just midsize and community banks evolve, what are you seeing are some of the big issues when you talk to executives now that they're experiencing that might have been different than maybe, you know, 10 years ago when you and I first met? Well, I think the competitive landscape is obviously evolving before our very eyes uh, in both traditional and non-traditional players to the financial services arena. Technology uh, obviously having a significant impact in, in how we do business, uh, what our customers and, and members expect from us you know, as a financial institution. Uh, so I, I think the competitive landscape is obviously having a significant impact um, on, on the industry. It's certainly having an impact on uh, talent management, talent management and succession strategies for organizations. Uh, I think we've seen uh, a lot of credit unions seize that opportunity and we're seeing uh, some some shops that have really evolved from a sophistication and complexity standpoint. Mm -hmm. I think there are others that will continue to struggle and uh, will probably fall victim of consolidation where I've seen a lot of that already happen. Mike, when you meet with executives, how do you help them understand the challenges that they're facing when it comes to talent management? Well, I, I think, you know, for starters, when you look, John, at, at talent management holistically for an organization, I, I think it can quickly become rather complex. I think you're often up against uh, competing priorities, whether that's growth, profitability, 
uh, trying to scale for efficiencies, obviously a lot happening on the cultural transformation front. And I think while all of these are important, you know, for most organizations, unless you have the right team in place and that team is operating at high levels of effectiveness, it, it's it, it's easy to quickly fall behind in your ability to execute. So I, I think you know, short and long-term strategy are, are often drivers for thoughtful leadership development, organizational succession planning, and of course, you know, make the, the, the decision to have to go external for an, a recruitment initiative. And you know, I think we often find a lack of clarity in how these priorities translate to talent acquisition. Uh, I think many of our clients take an overly simplistic approach to checking off a bunch of functional competencies and, and, and often lose sight of the big picture and, and frankly, the opportunity that a, a leadership brings to, to a team and, and, and an organization. So you know, I think understanding you know, internal and external challenges that are associated with talent management and, uh, and a focused effort to develop a solid team really requires uh, constant calibration with with the market and, and and how your strategy might be evolving. So I think I think the value that we bring to the discussion is is really helping our clients to understand market trends, you know, how position profiles are evolving, and, and really help them prepare for some of the inevitable pain points that are out there in the talent acquisition process. Hey, my topic on everyone's mind today is the war for talent. Um, which roles are you seeing that are generating the greatest competition? And, and if they're steepening competition, how does a small or mid-sized firm compete? You know, speaking specifically to the financial service arena and I think the market trends that are impacting specific talent pools, obviously I'll, I'll lead with technology and uh, seeing a lot of influence, movement, transition, and anything digital transformation and IT security. So I'd say that's an upside down job market where the, uh, the demand is significantly greater than the talent pools that are available. Um, I think the evolving regulatory uh, environment is another one, and uh, certainly the related push for compliance and risk management uh, executives. Um, you know, it's seen a, a lot of uh, evolution and transition in this area as well, and I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. Hmm. So that certainly created a, a talent crunch. And uh, boy, I've probably been saying since the economic meltdown and recovery, all things credit and lending related. Hmm. Uh, it, given this tends to be one of the more significant growth engine opportunities for, for most financial institutions, I think that has been and will continue to be a, a pretty tight market. Uh, you know, the, the, all that said, John, I think the, the war talent is, is, is probably a little functionally agnostic these days. I think given the, the tight labor market, I think the strength that we continue to see in, in financial services, and again, that rapidly evolving competitive landscape, you know, we are seeing some traditional financial services executives kind of jump ship to these evolving players and fintech environments. And uh, they, you know, I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. I, I guess as far as the, the smaller to mid-size shops, as you know, I'm fairly active in, in that space and, and have seen kind of firsthand uh, the significant impact that this highly competitive labor market is having on that segment of our client base. Some smaller organizations have, have kind of taken the lead and are, are being a little more creative and thinking outside the box. And specifically in the credit union space, I, I, 
you know, I think there's there's still a, a, a chance to continue to leverage that unique spirit and practice of collaboration. Um, I, I think it's difficult for these smaller shops to achieve the necessary economies of scale. And, and I, again, don't see that changing. So I think there's still some interesting collaboration models evolving within the credit union space. You know, we, we work pretty hard to inform our clients of smaller scale, one, around the realistic uh, need to be, uh, or the need to be realistic, rather, around who and what they can afford. Uh, and I think this is where the market insight perspective of uh, a business partner can be really, really valuable. And that's not to say that you have to sacrifice or compromise on, on a strategic need, but it, it will require you to be pretty calculated, if not surgical, and, and cut your approach to going out to market. And, and it's just the hard, cold reality that smaller organizations will not be able to compete. Some instances based on cost and price. Uh, so I think those organizations really need to challenge themselves to really be focused on on, on, on their value proposition and, and the opportunity that they have to offer somebody. You know, I think understanding your value proposition, who, who better than your own leadership team? And I think it's important uh, for those individuals to be fully engaged in, in the talent management strategy that an organization trying to roll out, especially when you have an external recruitment process in play. You know, need to make sure that we're, we're walking the talk on messaging, uh, make sure that we're fully committed to organizational values and strategy. You know, this will be apparent if we're not, you know, during an interview process with potential candidates. You know, one thing I'd also offer for smaller organizations and something I talk to them all about is, is leveraging their own networks and relationships. Um, and that goes back to having everybody fully engaged in the process. You know, the, uh, the process for job seekers has evolved. I think back in the day when someone wanted to start a job search, one of the first things they do is reach out to you know, someone like myself or uh, another search firm. And I think while relationships with search firms continue to be a part of the process, and you know, the first step most people are taking these days is scanning their personal contacts. So leveraging relationships is the name of the game. And you know, to some extent, that continues to be the foundation for what we do as a business. But again, technology is, is, is impacting the process and, and has just allowed much greater access to just about everybody in the labor market. Well, Mike, all of those strategies that you just mentioned for small and midsize, I find that really encouraging um, that there's that many things to be thinking about in response and not just feeling like you just have to come at price, you know, and try to compete there, you know, like you said, right. uh, you know, with networking and collaboration. We're, we're, we're seeing that too from where I sit. Boy, that just really points to with respect to candidate selection process, just how important that is. You've got to get that right. Um, so the firms that are effective at that, when you help them with it, you know, what are they doing? What do you see that's about effective um, candidate selection? Sure. Um, you know, I think that with, with the goal in mind of aligning strategy and culture with leadership qualities that you know are ultimately going to be required uh, to meet either position or line of business objectives, I think effectiveness is is, uh, is a measurement not only of, of successful selection, but but obviously the impact the individual individual is going to have in the organization, and and I think how we define impact will vary from from one individual to the next. Mm -hmm. uh, but but I do think that desired outcomes really need to be clearly defined and and measured uh, again to, as, as constant calibration to what's working for us internally uh, what's not uh, relative to uh, effective 
talent acquisition and, and management. You know, I think some of the effective teams out there are, are, are consistent in their messaging around strategy and culture when they're going through a recruitment process. Any candidates, especially millennials, are, are looking for more than a job. Uh, you know, they're seeking organizations with the personal alignment and, and opportunities for de- development and growth. And, and, and I think, again, especially in today's market, I think being nimble with your own process is important. Uh, we, we often don't have the luxury of time uh, when, when meeting potential candidates. I think we're on this end, we're often met with a sense of urgency at the launch of a process and find that it doesn't always play out that way. And uh, I, I think a clearly defined profile should position a team to know right when they see it. And this can happen very early in the process and the organization needs to be able to move quickly and and not feel compromised by by timing and process. You know, um, kind of just thinking about that whole selection continuum, when I think about that, Mike, I think about um, being thoughtful about the next generation or what we call succession planning for executives and heck for board members too. This is becoming a bigger deal. Um, How is Corn Ferry helping uh, firms deal and, and address with these kinds of issues? Yeah, I think you know when we sit down, John, with with most boards and, and quite honestly, most leadership teams, uh, I, I think the understanding of our bench strength is always at the top of our list for for short term strategic priorities. It's often a gray area. Succession planning is actually a great example of of one of the reasons I, I, I joined Corn Ferry. I think I think credit unions are facing uh, the same challenges that come with a rapidly evolving technological and competitive landscape that I mentioned earlier that, that all other financial institutions are facing, but but quite frankly, they're often having to do so with much more limited resources. And while we're seeing some momentum in the era of, of formal succession planning, I think most in the industry are still very much trying to get their arms around organizational and leadership development. Um, it, 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 you know, I think in how we approach this conversation with, with our, our clients, it's, you know, I think first really helping them to understand that, you know, succession planning is, is, is not an event, but it's, it's a process. You know, it's something that requires commitment. And if done correctly, you know, it, it, it's ultimately a partnership, you know, with the organization's leadership team that will maximize expertise, uh, maximize potential in the organization, and, and ultimately will arm your internal stakeholders with, with, the, with a development plan, typically that's pretty deliberate, that will really help you as an organization to optimize across your talent pools. You know, it's a, it's a multi-layered, multi-generational process, um, and I think it starts with, it really starts with an assessment framework that identifies, you know, our strengths, that identifies your vulnerabilities, um, and really kind of looks uh, across functional and leadership dimensions. So it, it, I think there's a great opportunity for credit unions. We've actually, uh, here at Corn Ferry, developed uh, a CXO optimization solution. And uh, it, it's something that I've, I've enjoyed being able to leverage with some of our credit union clients. And it's, you know, a high level of process that really helps executives determine if they have the right team in place to really execute on some of the functional agendas that are out there to work through uh, operational initiatives, but, but also ensure that we're impacting uh, the appropriate strategic levels. Um, and, and, and ultimately, we'll, we'll provide a clear line of, of sight on capabilities that we need in the future. So, you know, in a nutshell, I think it's a you know, process that would position our clients. 
you know, to, to define first what success looks like and, you know, really take a deep dive, you know, from a functional diagnostic perspective. And again, recognizing that the markets are evolving, things happen quickly. Like I said, this is not a one-time event, it's a living, breathing process. And then really develop plans for the organization is positioned to optimize the talent that they have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How's, <laughs> how's that working out for boards? Yeah, boy, again, that, that's another, I think, great opportunity for, for credit unions and, and uh, having worked in the industry for a little over 15 years now, I've always had, had great appreciation for the commitment of our volunteer boards. Um, that role is evolving, uh, expectations and, and accountabilities, as, as you well know, uh, from a regulatory perspective are much more significant um, than, than they used to be. I think there's a lot of chatter out there around trends and CEO transition, but the reality is we're seeing a tremendous amount of change at the board level. And, you know, in my opinion, uh, many in the credit union industry have not taken a strategic approach to board composition, investment, and development opportunities. So we're, we're starting to see some shifts, um, but I don't think it's an area where collectively as an industry, we've made the appropriate investment. So I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah, no, I'm seeing that too. You know, I think a common thread, Mike, as you're talking is whether we're talking about succession or selection or uh, these different aspects of what your firm does. Um, I was thinking about this sense of um, if you're always just in urgent, in reaction mode, that that's, that doesn't really set you up well compared to how you're talking about these processes that are so crucial to the organization. And one of the things that I think about is when we're filling leadership roles, it's not just the tactical skill set. Uh, that we're looking for. We're looking for, you know, that, that fit for culture. We're looking for leaders to, to come with a, a pretty advanced skill set in that area. And I'm just wondering from your perspective, when you think about high performing leaders, you know, what do they have in common, you know, that you see that you would point to for folks to think about? Yeah, it's another, it's another great question. And obviously that's something we as an organization uh, spend a lot of time in getting our arms around and really trying to understand uh, what, again, good and great look like uh, from a leadership perspective. You know, Corn Ferry Research has, has identified 30 leadership competencies wow. that are, are most related to high performance across an executive team. Uh, you know, how those competencies are ranked are, again, going to be dependent on a specific organization, their corporate goals, short-term, long-term objectives. But um, when I think about some of the leadership competencies that are often ranked as, as mission critical, uh, I think in this day and age, being action-oriented is, is always floating to the top. Uh, I think the ability to, to build uh, highly effective, cohesive leadership teams is incredibly important. Uh, you know, speaking to the credit union industry and, and some of the hot buttons uh, typically fall around a strong financial acumen, and that's not necessarily thing we're looking for. Uh, a CFO, and in fact, I think the leadership profiles have probably shifted a, a, away from from that DNA. They're always looking for a strong customer service and member orientation, and and, and I think a, a demand for leadership that cultivates innovation, uh, strategic mindset, uh, cultivating innovation, people who can manage through ambiguity. And I think those those are some of the things that kind of come to mind again when I look at that. Uh, leadership competency framework that we've established internally. 
Yeah. I'm thinking about so many of our listeners are young and emerging leaders. And if they were to listen to that, that list there, um, what would you tell them about how to keep evolving as a professional? You know, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to want to be called by, by Mike and Corn Ferry here in the future. How am I getting ready? What am I doing? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think working smart and trusting your instincts, I think taking calculated risks, you know, I think it's important to, you know, understand what makes you tick and what makes you successful uh, and and, and not compromising on that personal integrity, I I think is important. Uh, And I think specifically when you you think about career advancement, I always emphasize the importance of personal brand and, and leveraging your networks and relationships, you know, early on in your career and doing so consistently throughout. And I, I think um, you never know when those relationships are going to come back around. So it's important to, to nurture them uh, as you move up and, and throughout your career. And, and also know it's not a one-way street. You know, I think it's important to, to give back, if you will. And I think those folks that I think about who are successful from a relationship management and relationship building perspective are, are, are connectors of people and, and opportunities. So they're really kind of looking at from a big picture and, and, and how they could approach a conversation, a relationship from a mutual benefit standpoint. Yeah. Well, Mike, you've had a tremendously successful career. And, and so, you know, I know you're thoughtful about your own um you know, development and growth that we've talked about over time. And um, so, but what are you doing now to kind of evolve as a professional just in, in your own right? I think folks would be interested to know what that would look like. I personally learn and grow best through experience. Mm-hmm. And I feel very fortunate to have connected with a profession very early on in my career that aligns so well for me personally and professionally. And, you know, as I mentioned, I kind of fell into it by accident as do many of this business, but it's stuck. It's been a great fit. I, I continue to find great personal satisfaction by delivering value through relationships. The search world, in many cases, um, could be seen as a commodity business. And I think early in my career, I found that, you know, the key to being successful in, in this uh, in this world is, is differentiation. I think that, that's probably the key in my mind to personal brand development. And I think it's always been the core of my approach of you know, how I work with leadership networks and, and how I work with my clients. Mm-hmm. Boy, you know, if I were to look at your desk, probably some books sitting there are probably more likely you're tech savvy. There's a tablet there and, and you're doing some kind of learning. Um, I'm just curious to know, what are you reading these days? You know, what, what should I be reading? You know, I, I still have a pretty significant foot in, in, in the credit union industry. So I, I try to keep tabs on, on everything industry specific, both in terms of uh, business model evolution, technology implications. So the, the credit union times is, is sitting next to me right now and something I flip through on a weekly basis. Uh, Harvard Business Review, and uh, I think on my tablet you'd probably find anything and everything real estate related that's always just been a personal interest of mine. You've probably met some pretty incredible people too in your journeys. Is there any uh, person that you look to saying, you know, uh, that that's someone to admire, to to learn from? Uh, they can even be somebody from history if it's not somebody that you've had a personal connection to. Uh, I'm always curious for good leaders like you. Is is there somebody that you point to saying, now that's an example that I try to learn from and and model a bit? You know, I, I, I've had the opportunity, especially in this business, of working with some really strong CEOs, and 
you know, it's obviously not a one-size-fits-all in terms of leadership style and approach and, and what's going to motivate and, and grow and develop. One organization might not be the right fit for, for another. So I, I think I kind of look at the, the collective experience of, of, of CEOs and leaders that I've worked with, especially in the credit union industry, where it tends to be mission-driven, values-based, you know, people are in it for the right reasons. And, and I think... Um, you know, to probably take this in a more more broad approach, John, as opposed to specific individuals, but I think it's been really exciting for me personally to see the leadership dynamics impacting the evolution of financial services. Mm. And I think where, you know, having spent so much time with credit unions, again, being not-for-profit, mission-driven, values-based, uh, you don't see some of that out there in the broad financial services sector, especially with a lot of these emerging non-traditional players. So I, I think that's been exciting to me. That's been inspiring to me. Um, and, you know, something I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out, quite frankly. Yeah, me too. We're in different times. And it seems like that quotient of leadership is is transforming along with everything else around us and is being called on, you know, just more and more. And gosh, I guess it takes a lot of energy to be a leader, it feels like, at times. And, you know, the importance of, you know, re-energizing ourselves is important. Mike, what do you do to re-energize when you're not at the office and, you know, charging hard for Corn Ferry? What do you do to recharge your batteries? You know, by, by nature, I stay pretty energized. I think I'm pretty tight. <laughs> I, I think it's more, how, how do I balance that? And, and I think exercise and, and, and the outdoors are important aspects of my life. I, I try to break a sweat every day, and that seems to, that seems to help keep me sane. <laughs> okay. Well, that's great. So is that on the treadmill, or you hit the streets? I hit the streets, yeah. I enjoy the outdoors, the fresh air, especially living down here in Southern California, where you can pretty much do that any day of the week year-round. Yeah, we're pretty lucky to have that being also a Southern California person. Absolutely. Hey, Mike, before we close, is there anything that you'd like to share with our listeners that maybe we haven't covered just yet? It's a really exciting marketplace right now. Like I said, there's so much innovation happening. I think a lot of the cultural norms around the job search uh, have, have kind of fallen to the wayside. I, I think there's, there's an incredible opportunity, as I mentioned earlier, to leverage personal and professional networks. And, uh, you know, something I've been saying for 20-some years is, is it never hurts to talk. And I think there's always benefits in sitting down and, and having a conversation. You never know where that will lead. And uh, I think for, for those individuals that are thinking of exploring the market in any capacity, I get that it's a real, it's a real exciting time to do that. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. You know, it's it's part of the energy that's behind this show is, gosh, we can learn so much from one another. Um, and just having a chance to, to listen to thought leaders like you who help us in the corner office do our job or listen to our peers about how they're facing challenges is so extremely valuable. Mike, thank you for joining us today and for sharing your expertise. And, and to all of our audience today, thank you, Mike, for being here and, and, and to everyone else. Um, we look forward to uh, talking with you again next month with another great interview. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Big Cast C-Suite with John Janclays. To learn more or connect with John and the CEO Corner, please visit theceocorner.com. And we always welcome you to join in on our conversation. You can connect with the Big Cast Network directly by tweeting us at BigFintech, emailing us at info at big-fintech.com, or visiting our website at bigfintechmedia.com. 